Hello, everyone. Welcome to Sabbath School Gems, where each week we showcase key concepts from this week's Seventh-day Adventist Sabbath School lesson. This is Lesson 5 for the first quarter for Sabbath, January 29, 2022, and it's titled, Jesus, the Giver of Rest, and it's from the quarterly, In These Last Days, the Message of Hebrews. Now, the memory text is Hebrews 4.9. It says, There remains, therefore, a rest for the people of God. So what is this rest? Well, we're going to explore what this rest is, but we can see right off the bat that there remains, therefore. So there, it's something that's in the future. It's something that's not yet fulfilled. It's a promise that was given into the past because it says in Hebrews 4.1, it says, therefore, since a promise remains of entering his rest. So it's tied to this promise. And the very next verse, it says, for indeed, the gospel was preached to us as well as to them. Who's it talking about? The gospel was preached to us as well as to them. Well, it's talking about the children of Israel when they came out of Egypt. So it's talking about the promise that was made back then of this rest that wasn't fulfilled. It says, but the word which they heard did not profit them, not being mixed with faith in those who heard it. It was a promise given to the children of Israel, and they did not realize this rest because it was not mixed with faith. They were not ready to go into the promised land. So they didn't really enter this promise rest. Sunday's lesson is saying that the the land is a place of rest, that this was a promised land that the Lord was going to bring them to. So it was a physical location, not just a, an action that you do or don't do, but it was actually a promised land that the Lord was going to bring the children of Israel into after delivering them out of the bondage of Egypt. And this goes back to the promise that was given to Abraham, that the Lord was going to prosper his descendants. They'd be like the sands of the sea. All the nations of the world would be blessed. But as you recall, there was some dark side to this. There was some thorn in this whole beautiful plan here. And that could be seen when he gave the covenant to Abraham. And remember, he split the sacrifices. Then the vultures were coming down to try to eat it, and he was scaring them off. And there was just some dark side to it. We can see this in Genesis fifteen thirteen. what that thorn was. It says, then he said to Abram, Know certainly that your descendants will be strangers in a land that is not theirs and will serve them and they will afflict them 400 years. And then in Exodus 12, 41, we see, and it came to pass at the end of the 430 years on that very same day. So that was the very same day that he made that covenant with Abram with the split sacrifices. It came to pass that all the armies of the Lord went out from the land of Egypt so they were delivered just as promised after that 400 years of affliction. And you see that there's a time element to this. So there is a promised land, a physical element, but there's also, this is the time we see there's a time element to this promise, that there's some kind of activities that are going to happen before that. It's not just, okay, here you go, here's your rest. In Exodus 3, 8, it says, So I have come down to deliver them out of the hand of the Egyptians and to bring them up from the land to a good and large land, to a land flowing with milk and honey, to the place of the Canaanites and the Hittites and the Amorites and the Perizzites and the Hivites and the Jebusites. So this is a big land that encompasses a lot of different nations. And it's a goodly land. It's flowing with milk and honey. It's a, it's a wonderful place. 
And we're going to see more of what this promised land is all about in Thursday's lesson. But the key at this point is just to realize that this rest involves a promised location, but it also involves this time period. It follows a period of time where there's maybe going to be unrest. Now, Monday's lesson and Wednesday's lesson, I think, should be combined because Monday, it says, because of unbelief. And it's really talking about who is not going to be able to enter this rest or why they didn't enter the rest back then. Wednesday's lesson is titled Entering Into His Rest. And so that's really talking about who's going to enter into the rest. So I thought it's better to combine Monday and Wednesday to get a real compare and contrast between who is not entering this land, why didn't they enter it, and who will be entering it, and how we can be those who enter this rest. So let's just start out by who is not going to enter this rest. In Psalms 95 verse 11, it says, So I swore in my wrath, they shall not enter my rest. Right before that, it says, For 40 years I was grieved with that generation and said, It is a people who go astray in their hearts, and they don't know my ways. So we see that who's not going to enter the rest is those who go astray in their hearts and those who don't know my ways. And in Hebrews 3, verse 18, it says, And to whom did he swear that they would not enter his rest? But to those who did not obey. So we see they went astray in their hearts. They didn't know the ways of the Lord and they did not obey. And in Hebrews 4.11, it's the same thing. It says, let us therefore be diligent to enter that rest, lest any fall according to the same example of disobedience. And that disobedience is sometimes translated as unbelief. That word, that Greek word is apithia. And I'm not a Greek linguist, but that sounds a lot like apathy to me, epithia. You know, apathy is unfeeling. There's no emotion. And so the opposite of that would be feeling or emotion or some kind of thing. And we'll see that that word believe is a word that's actually used back in the Old Testament. That word is aman. That is the Hebrew word aman. And it's means to bolster up or trust. In other words, there's a strength backing this belief, this word believe. It's not just some ethereal mental exercise that just kind of comes upon us and, and goes. It's an actual belief with some meat behind it, some some strength behind it. I, I call it wheelbarrow faith because there's a story, I don't even know, it's probably not true, but it, there was a story about there was a tightrope swan that was strung across Niagara Falls and there was a man that would, I think he had gone across it several times and so he was a tightrope walker and this time he was gonna take this wheelbarrow across and so he's asking people, you know, do you think I could do it? Do you think I can walk across this with this wheelbarrow? And everyone's like, yeah, we believe in you because he had already done it before. And they're like, yeah, we can, we, we believe you can do it. And he's like, are you sure? And they're like, yes, we, we know you can do it. We, we trust in you. You're, you're so good. You know, you're one of the best tightrope walkers. And, and he's like, okay, well, which one of you is going to get in this wheelbarrow? And then all of a sudden, <laughs> they didn't really believe him so much anymore. And so that's the kind of belief it is. It's a kind of belief that is got some real strength behind it. I mean, if you think about it, it's 
the whole basis of the promise to Abraham. It says, you know, that Abraham believed God and it was accounted to him for, for righteousness. So his whole righteousness and this whole promise was because Abraham believed. So that's not just some, yes, I believe in God type of belief. That is a belief so that your whole actions, your whole being, your whole body, your decisions every day are built on that. I mean, it's what delivered Daniel from the lion's mouth. In Daniel 6.23, it says, Now the king was exceedingly glad for him and commanded that they should take Daniel up out of the den. So Daniel was taken up out of the den, and no injury whatsoever was found on him because he believed in his God. So that is not just because he just had some belief. That was when he's tested and he's down there with the lions. He trusts God that much. He believed in God and it delivered him. This belief is also why the Lord came down with such a great fanfare on Mount Sinai. Remember when he came on that great day of the assembly and spoke directly to the people? Well, before that, the Lord had said to Moses, he said, Behold, I come to you in the thick cloud that the people may hear when I speak with you and believe forever. So this is the people are going to hear. They're going to shema, shema, kol. They're going to hear, hear the voice of Yahweh. And they're going to believe that Amon. They're going to believe forever. So this is a, a strength to this belief. So who's going to enter this rest? Well, it's going to be those who have believed. Hebrews 4.3. For we who have believed do enter that rest. As he had said, so I swore in my wrath, they shall not enter my rest, although the works were finished from the foundation of the world. And then further on, it says, let us therefore be diligent to enter that rest, lest anyone fall according to the same example of disobedience. So this belief is a, a diligence. You know, in Proverbs, it says, I love those who love me and those who seek me diligently will find me. And that goes back to Deuteronomy where it says from there, when you, when you come to this point where you're in bondage and you're, you're serving all these other gods, it says, but from there you will seek the Lord your God and you will find him if you seek him with all your heart and with all your soul. So those who will enter his rest are those who are going to believe, but they're going to believe because they diligently seek him. Deuteronomy 4.30, the very next verse, it says, when you are in distress and all these things come upon you in the latter days, when you turn to the Lord your God and obey his voice, for the Lord your God is a merciful God. He will not forsake you nor destroy you, nor forget the covenant of your fathers, which he swore to you. So this is the covenant. This is his part of the bargain. This is his end of this promise. And he's not going to forget it if we seek him with all our heart and all our soul. So this is our end of the bargain, is this belief. That's who's going to enter into this promised land. Now, Tuesday's lesson talks about the time element and the urgency. It says, today, if you hear his voice. We already mentioned that text in Hebrews 4, 7. It's also in Hebrews 3, 7. Again, he designates a certain day, saying in David, today, after such a long time as it has been, today, if you will hear his voice, do not harden your hearts. And the same thing in Hebrews 3, 7 through 9. Therefore, as the Holy Spirit says, today, if you will hear his voice, do not harden your hearts as in the rebellion, in the day of trial, in the wilderness, 
where your fathers tested me, they tried me, and they saw my works 40 years. So why is he, why in Hebrews 4, 7 does he say, again, he designates a certain day saying in David. Why does he say saying in David? Well, because he's quoting directly from Psalms, from Psalms 95. Psalms 95, starting in verse 8, it says, Today, if you will hear his voice, do not harden your hearts as in the rebellion, as in the day of trial in the wilderness. When your fathers tested me, they tried me, though they saw my work. For 40 years I was grieved with that generation and said, It is a people who go astray in their hearts, and they do not know my ways. So I swore in my wrath, they shall not enter my rest. So this whole passage in Hebrews, in, in Hebrews 3 and Hebrews 4, it's really just quoting Psalm, and it's going back to this time in Deuteronomy when they were coming into the promised land, and Moses had said, he says, Hear, O Israel, today you are on the verge of battle with your enemies. Do not let your heart be faint. Do not be afraid, and do not tremble or be terrified because of them. For the Lord your God is he who goes with you to fight for you against your enemies to save you. This is Moses, but the same thing is reiterated by Joshua when he was bringing them in to conquer the lands, and that can be found in Joshua twenty four fifteen. It says, and if it seems evil to you to serve the Lord, choose for yourself this day. That's that today. Choose for yourself this day whom you will serve, whether the gods which your fathers served that were on the other side of the river or the gods of the Amorites in whose land you dwell. But as for me and my house, we will serve the Lord. So we can see that this today is really pointing to this decision that's very urgent and it's swift and it needs to be decided because they're going in to the promised land. They're making these conquerors and they're conquering these lands and they have to know which God they worship. And it really does come down to worship. In Psalms 95 that we just read, verses 8 through 11, I'll just read that again. But that's starting in verse 8. So it says, Do not harden your hearts as in the rebellion, as in the day of trial in the wilderness. When your fathers tested me, they tried me, though they saw my work. For 40 years I was grieved with that generation and said, It is a people who go astray in their hearts, and they do not know my ways. So I swore in my wrath, they shall not enter my rest. But right before that, in verses 1 through 7, so we read 8 through 11, but just before that, it's talking about worshiping God. I'll just read in 95, starting in verse 1. O come, let us sing to the Lord. Let us shout joyfully to the rock of our salvation. Let us come before his presence with thanksgiving. Let us shout joyfully to him with psalms. For the Lord is the great God and the great King above all gods. In his hand are the deep places of the earth. The heights of the hills are his also. The sea is his, for he made it, and his hands form the dry land. O come, let us worship and bow down. Let us kneel before the Lord our Maker, for he is our God, and we are the people of his pasture and the sheep of his hand. Today, if you will hear his voice. And then it goes into, do not harden your hearts as in the rebellion. So see, it's talking about worship and worshiping, coming and worshiping the Lord, this great Lord who is a Lord of creation, yet it's also talking about today, this decision, this urgency. What does that remind you of? Doesn't it remind you of Revelation? Revelation 14, 6 through 7? 
Then I saw another angel flying in the midst of heaven, having the everlasting gospel to preach to those who dwell on the earth, to every nation, tribe, tongue, and people, saying with a loud voice, fear God and give glory to him for the hour of his judgment has come and worship him who made heaven and earth, the sea and springs of water. Doesn't that sound like the urgency? It's at the end of time. It's the hour of his judgment. We're coming down to the we're coming down to the day of atonement. We're coming down to that final chapter, that final hour. And there's this urgency there to worship him. That's what we see with this today. There's some kind of urgency there. You're ready to go into the promised land and you need to be firm in your decision. And this decision is really a decision to worship God, to serve him and only him. You know, I'll just say this here because it's, it's something that I, I think is interesting. This fear, this, this awe, this worship, this, this feeling that we have in our heart of just total reverence to God, that word fear, that Hebrew word is yare. And it's interesting that you have yare, Yahweh, Lord, so you fear the Lord. And then there's also that time, remember when, when Abraham was going to sacrifice Isaac, and then the animal was caught in the thicket, and they sacrificed that instead, then Abraham called that place, the Lord provides. And that's Yahweh Yireh. So the Lord provides. So you have this fear of the Lord, and then the Lord provides. So it's, I mean, I know I'm butchering the Hebrew, because I don't know how they pronounce it. And I, I don't know if anyone knows really how they pronounce that, that Yahweh word. But this is how it would be. It would be Yare, Yahweh, Yahweh, Yare. So it's Yare, Yahweh, Yahweh, Yare. Fear the Lord and the Lord provides. And really, this is the essence of the covenant. This is really the essence of this whole promise, this whole promised land. Fear the Lord and then the Lord will provide. So we trust God we fear him, we serve him, we obey him, we listen to him, we shama shama kol Yahweh, and then he provides, he's going to protect us, and he's going to provide this promised land to us. That is really the essence of the covenant, and I just think it's an interesting play on those Hebrew words. Now, this kind of goes into Thursday, which is titled Foretaste of This New Creation, and we're going to return to this question of really what is this rest? So it's a place, it's a good place, it's this large, beautiful place, but it's also a pure place. It's a place where there was no trace of idolatry, that everyone is serving the God. Remember when Moses told them, when they come into the promised land, they are to destroy everything. I'll read that in Deuteronomy 12, 1 through 3. It says, These are the statutes and judgments which you shall be careful to observe in the land which the Lord God of your fathers is giving you to possess all the days that you live on the earth. You shall utterly destroy all the places where the nations which you shall dispossess serve their gods on the high mountains and on the hills and under every green tree. And you shall destroy their altars, break their sacred pillars, and burn their wooden images with fire. You shall cut down the carved images of their gods and destroy their names from that place. This was not just a promised land of, you know, goodly things, but it was to have no trace, no taint of idolatry. 
how natural that is that the that the weekly sabbath is a symbol of this this promised land the weekly sabbath is not only a symbol of deliverance and we can read that in exodus 13:3 and moses said to the people remember this day in which you went out of egypt out of the house of bondage for by strength of hand the lord brought you out of this place it's not only a symbol of deliverance but it's a symbol of sanctification. It's a holy day set apart. You know, it says, remember the Sabbath day to keep it holy. It's a holy day. In Exodus 31, 13, this is the only place that we see this, except it's repeated in Ezekiel. But it says, speak also to the children of Israel, saying, surely my Sabbath you shall keep, for it is a sign between me and you throughout your generations that you may know that I am the Lord who sanctifies you the sabbath day was a time of sanctification it was a pure it was to be holy and set apart and pure even in exodus 13 3 when it says um, remember this day in which you went out of egypt out of the house of bondage for by strength of hand the lord brought you out of this place so it's a place of deliverance but then right after that it says no leavened bread shall be eaten and that's talking about the Exodus. That's talking about Passover. Passover was a time that for seven days you were to eat no leavened bread. So it's this, it's this purification. So you're being delivered, but you're being delivered into this place where you are being sanctified before you come into this. So here we see, again, we see this timeline. It's a timeline of coming out of being delivered and being sanctified before you come into this rest and what is the third thing that the sabbath is a pattern of so it's a it's a symbol of deliverance it's a symbol of sanctification and we all know this one it's a symbol of creation in exodus 31 17 is a sign between me and the children of israel forever for in six days the lord made the heavens and the earth and on the seventh day he rested and was refreshed and that word refreshed is means really rebreathed re renewed rebreathed so here we have the full cycle now of this timeline we have this time of creation when the lord breathes into man the breath of life and then we have this period of time it's the time of labor or it's the time when we are in this earth with the sin and everything that goes with it and then there is a deliverance and a sanctification and a rest at the end and those things seem to be very quick they're very swift deliverance then sanctification and then you come into this rest you know and keeping sunday as a holy day really distorts this just this idea that we are in this land we are laboring we are laboring through the week and then we end on this beautiful day of rest it's so unnatural to start with a rest that everyone just calls the weekend the weekend you know include saturday and sunday that's just the weekend it's the end of the week because we just can't start on a rest you don't you don't think you're going to go out in the field and labor and say, well, let me just rest first. You can't even rest. You can't rest because you're, you're not even tired yet and you're anxious and you want to start work. And so you don't, you don't start with a rest. You end with a rest. And this rest is something that's desirable because you look forward to it because you're, you're tired. 
So the takeaways of this lesson is that there is a rest. It's something desirable. It's, it comes from this special promise that was given way back when by the Lord. It's something that we can look forward to and that we will also appreciate it. We'll appreciate it so much more having gone through the heartaches of this life. But this rest comes after the labor, the time of labor. And you can think of the time of labor as a time of bondage and sadness. And, you know, as much as we like our jobs, there's still aspects that we don't like, but there's the sadness and the heartaches of this life. It's just really filled with heartaches when you look at it. And if you live long enough, and sure, if you're a young person and everything just looks bright and rosy, but when you get old enough and you see enough children dying and children suffering and innocent animals and, and all these things that just go on and you, you see enough of that, you really get full of it and you just don't want to live in this type of environment anymore. You see the beauty, but you see that something's just not right. And this rest though, not just involves this element of bondage, this time of bondage, but it also requires an effort on our part that we diligently seek the Lord, not have this apathy or this unbelief, but have belief in the real sense of that word, the, the sense of belief that has an action behind it. And then there's this time element that the last events are going to be swift. The charge when it says today involves a decision that needs to be made and it needs to be made firm. And we need to be firm about the God that we choose to worship because there's going to be this labor, but then there's going to be deliverance and then sanctification and then the rest. So the real question that we should be asking ourselves is today, choose this day whom you will serve and do it with action, do it with intent. Now for part B, I'm going to be reading from Hebrews chapter 5. For every high priest taken from among men is appointed for men in things pertaining to God, that he may offer both gifts and sacrifices for sins. He can have compassion on those who are ignorant and going astray, since he himself is also subject to weakness. Because of this, he is required as for the people, so also for himself, to offer sacrifices for sins. And no man takes this honor to himself, but he who is called by God, just as Aaron was. So also Christ did not glory himself to become high priest, but it was he who said to him, You are my son, today I have begotten you. As he also says in another place, You are a priest forever according to the order of Melchizedek, who in the days of his flesh, when he had offered up prayers and supplications with vehement cries and tears to him who was able to save him from death and was heard because of his godly fear, though he was a son, yet he learned obedience by the things which he suffered. And having been perfected, he became the author of eternal salvation to all who obey him, called by God as high priest according to the order of Melchizedek, of whom we have so much to say and hard to explain, since you have become dull of hearing. For though by this time you ought to be teachers, you need someone to teach you again the first principles of the oracles of God, and you have come to need milk and not solid food. For everyone who partakes only of milk is unskilled in the word of righteousness, for he is a babe. But solid food belongs to those who are full age, 
that is, those who by reason of use have their senses exercised to discern both good and evil. Thank you for joining us for this episode of Sabbath School Gems. If you enjoyed this podcast, please subscribe, give us a rating, and spread the word to others. Comments and questions can be sent to us at sabbathschoolgems at gmail.com. Bye for now.